We've been examining the life and ministry of Jesus as we've done this series, Taking Jesus Out of the Box. And as we've gone through these seven weeks, maybe you've learned some new things about Jesus, things you didn't know. And that's great. It's what we all want. We all need to be learning more and more. It's when we're not learning that we have to be careful because we can think we have Jesus all figured out and we put him in a box. Trust me, we're not close to figuring Jesus out. There's always more to understand. And this is so important because he calls us to follow him, which means to be like him. And to do that, we need to be knowing him, growing in him with others, and going in obedience. We have to know him. Today, we come to Jesus' final week, what many call the Passion Week. Jesus is on his last trip to Jerusalem, and we've recently seen how the disciples are concerned about this because Jesus going into Jerusalem doesn't always end so well. Some folks in Jerusalem want him dead. This trip is essential though. Remember, Jesus is on a rescue mission to rescue man from sin and death. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And this is huge. Jesus has raised other people from the dead, but this one's different. Lazarus was dead for four days. See, Jews believed by the fourth day, the, the spirit of the deceased would leave for good. And only the Messiah could raise a man who'd been dead for four days. This miracle removes all doubts for those who have questioned if Jesus is the Messiah. So, let's grab our Bibles. Open with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Now, I know that you're home, and many of you are probably tempted not to open your Bibles with me. But come on! We need to engage God through His Scripture. Grab your Bibles. Let's open them together. We have some really important stuff to cover today. Matthew chapter 21. Jesus and the disciples have left Lazarus' house. They're making their way to Bethpage. Now, once you get to Bethpage, you can see Jerusalem in the distance. As they're approaching Bethpage, Jesus gives two of the disciples some instructions. Look with me, Matthew 21, and we'll begin with verse 2. Jesus says, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt buyer. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, let, let him know, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we see what's called the triumphal entry. Now, most of us have heard about this. All of our lives we've heard about it. We're very familiar with what happens here. But what is it all about? I mean, Jesus is riding into town on a donkey. They're waving palm branches and shouting praise. Why? What does all of this mean? Well, Context is crucial to proper understanding. Jesus and the disciples are arriving as Passover is about to begin in Jerusalem. 
God's law commands that all Jewish men are to be in Jerusalem during this celebration. So, Jesus and the disciples aren't the only ones arriving. There are tens of thousands arriving. Men, men with their families, and they would sacrifice a lamb, and then later with their families eat a lamb dinner. And all of this was to commemorate how God delivered their ancestors from death, how he did it through the shed blood of a lamb, how he freed them from slavery to Egypt. So Jerusalem is incredibly busy right now, and it's very crowded. In an ancient Jewish writing called the Mishnah, we learned that Lamb Selection Day was four days prior to Passover. Now this was a very special day where the high priest would go, would leave Jerusalem, go down to Bethlehem, several miles south of Jerusalem, and he would select a spotless lamb that would later be sacrificed. He would carry it back to Jerusalem with him. He would enter into the temple court through the eastern gate. People would be all excited, waving palm branches, singing praises to the Lord, shouting Hosanna to the Lamb of God as the high priest entered the eastern gate. Well, this is the day Jesus arrives on, Lamb Selection Day. And he is the Lamb of God, John the Baptist called him. He is originally from Bethlehem. He also, as he makes his way into Jerusalem, he's going through the Eastern Gate. And he's fresh off his messianic America. He's raised Lazarus, a four-day dead man, back to life. Only the Messiah can do that. Jesus is now fully legitimized and a whole group are now calling him the Messiah, they, his disciples. And, and as he makes his way toward the Eastern Gate, people are waving palm branches toward him. Matthew says they're singing, Hosanna to the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's like God is saying, here's my lamb, will you choose him? Here's my Passover lamb to save you from death and free you from slavery to sin. Will you choose him? Lamb Selection Day. And all of these people are here to celebrate Passover, commemorating freedom from death and slavery. But they're not free. No, no. Rome is ruling. In William J. Bosch's book, Once Upon a Gospel, he writes about another entrance that's going on on the other side of town. A man enters on the west side of Jerusalem at the same general time frame, and I'm talking about the entrance of the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. See, Rome always wanted their governors in town during those high attendance festivals. And you talk about a triumphal entry. Contrast Jesus, who comes riding on a donkey, with Pilate, who comes on a horse with an entourage of over 600 Roman soldiers there to reinforce Jerusalem's security. And he comes in the name of the Lord too, but not the Lord of Israel. He comes in the name of the Lord, the Roman Caesar, who's worshipped as God. Pilate's there to remind everybody who is in charge. And it was a powerful display. It was a declaration. You get out of hand and I will squash you. Remember, what we're doing here is getting the context so that we can truly understand what's happening with Jesus. So, Jesus, is, his arrival is on the east side, humble, on a donkey. In the same general time frame, you have Pontius Pilate arriving on the other side, 
on horseback like a warrior king with his huge entourage of Roman soldiers. Now, with all of this in mind, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 37. As Jesus makes his way down the Mount of Olives on the donkey, we're going to see here the general mood of the people. Look with me, uh, Luke 19, verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Notice that. A whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God. Remember, when Lazarus was raised, Jesus has a whole new group of people who believe that he's Messiah, who call themselves disciples of the Messiah. And so Jesus, as he's riding on a donkey, he fulfills prophecy. Over 500 years earlier, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it prophesies that there will be a king come to Israel and he will arrive on a donkey. So everything's lining up here. There's the messianic miracle, Lazarus being raised from the dead. He's arriving on a donkey, a prophetic utterance from Zechariah that he is the king. And all of this is happening when? On Lamb Selection Day, around the Passover. Everything is lining up perfectly. There is reason for joy with these people. In John's account, we see that they're waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Get this, blessed is the king of Israel. Hmm, what's with all the palm branches? What's with all the shouting? Well, Hosanna means save now. They're declaring that Jesus is, de is king of Israel and they're saying to him, save now, save now, as they wave the palm branches. And the palm branches? We generally think of them as a symbol of peace, don't we? But they're not. I want you to see something here. This is a Maccabean coin from the Maccabean era, era, era of Jewish history, about 130 years before Jesus. It was minted before the last time, during the last time Israel was free. And what's on the, what's on the coin? Palm fronds. Again, we associate these with peace, but the Jews here, they associate them with victory and independence. Why? Because they minted these coins back when they had victory over Antiochus Epiphanes during the Maccabean Revolt. So they're waving these victory branches, you could call them. They're say, shouting, save us, save now, son of David. Save us, king of Israel. They know this is the Messiah, and he's come as a ruling, reigning Messiah, a victory Messiah, to kick out Rome, to bring freedom to Israel, independence. And what a perfect time, huh? At Passover, when they're commemorating freedom from death and freedom from slavery from Egypt, the Messiah is here, and they are filled with joy. But Jesus isn't that kind of Messiah. He's not the warrior Messiah, the one bringing victory over Rome and freedom from Rome. Look at verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Disciples in the crowds are shouting, waving palm branches, victory, victory, Hosanna, save now, save now, King Jesus. This isn't the message that you want Roman soldiers to be hearing when all these crowds are here. Verse 40, it says, I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
even though Jesus isn't the Messiah that they want, Jesus doesn't stop them. What does he do next? Look at verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Huh? Is that what you expect after all of this that's just happened? <laughs> I mean, this is the triumphal entry, not Jesus' weeping entry. Why is Jesus weeping? Why, why cry? Is it because he knows what's about to happen to him? I don't think so. Jesus isn't weeping for himself. Look at the next verse, verse 42. He said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus looks at Jerusalem with all these people flooding in. Do you know what the word Jerusalem means? It means city of peace. Jesus weeps because even though these people are praising him now, they will soon reject him, and he knows that when they reject him, they're rejecting the peace that they've desired and longed for. He continues in verse 43 and 44. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus is saying they don't recognize him. Well, they're praising him, but they don't know who he is. He's God come to them. Jesus weeps because, number two, they don't truly believe. How can you truly believe in someone you don't even recognize? But Vern, they, they called him king. They, they believed he was the Messiah. Well, yeah, a ruling, reigning warrior Messiah that's going to kick Rome out of Israel. Jesus has come as a humble Messiah. He's come to sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God, to, to save them from death and slavery to sin. In a few days, their shouts of praise will turn into shouts to crucify him. Which brings us to number three. Jesus weeps because they are unwilling to receive his love. Notice in verse 44, he, reverse, he refers to them as children. He loves them. He's come to save them from their greatest enemies, not Rome, sin and death. Think about this. This is the Passover message. But see, they have such earthly and temporal focused hearts that they miss him. A little while later, Jesus says this in Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were unwilling. You know what? The same thing happens today. We miss Jesus. Why? Because we put him in a box. We think that we know him, but our minds, our hearts are so earthly and temporally focused <clears throat> that we miss him. 
We think that Jesus has come to bless us, you know, physically, financially, give us our best life now. He wants to, to us to be happy. He wants to bring peace to the world and remove all of our troubles. Listen, I'm telling you right now, be careful if you think that what's, if that's what Jesus is all about. You haven't put Jesus in a box, have you? With Jesus' messianic miracle, raising Lazarus four days dead, arriving during Passover on a donkey, fulfilling prophecy, on Lamb Selection Day, receiving their praises and not quieting them down, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I am the King. I am the Messiah. And I have come to bring salvation and lasting freedom. Salvation and freedom from your greatest enemies. Not Rome, the enemies of death and sin. Enemies that that have separated you from God, your heavenly Father, and that are destroying you now and sending you to hell. Eternal separation from God. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Messiah. But he wasn't the Messiah they wanted. How about you? Is Jesus the Messiah you want? He says to us, repent, believe the good news. In other words, turn from your sin, trust and follow me, he says. Believe the good news. He's, he's come to restore us, to, to give us a right relationship with God, the Creator, our Heavenly Father, who we have sinned against. He's come to free us from death and slavery to sin. It's the Passover message for now. He wants us to trust him now, and he wants us to demonstrate that trust by taking up our cross and following after him, dying to ourself. It's essential that we accept Jesus as the Messiah that he is, not the Messiah we want him to be. And these people didn't. And Jesus knew they didn't. And so he wept. And when you and I don't take Jesus out of the box and accept him as the Messiah that he is, Jesus weeps over us because he knows what our end's going to be. Just like Jerusalem, as he prophesied in 70 AD, it would be destroyed. Which Messiah are you going to choose to follow? Make sure it's the biblical Messiah. Choose today to know him more and more. Choose to grow in him with others and go for him, sharing his love and truth. What's your next step need to be? Whatever it is, would you commit it to the Lord right now? And then tell somebody. Don't keep it a secret. And then join us as we work his plan together. Let's bow together. Father, thank you for sending us the Lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world. He came that we might live to give us eternal life. Help us, Lord, to know him more and more, to grow in him and to go following after him. We know, Lord, that his way is not the way of man. It's not the way of flesh. It's not even our way. It's your way, God. Help us to follow Jesus reflecting him by the way we live and if you're here right now and you're watching and you've never repented you've never turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus and you're ready to pray with me talk to him talk to God say Jesus 
forgive me for my sin. I turn from it and I put my faith and trust in who you are and what you did for me. That you took on yourself all the punishment of my sin at the cross and then you conquered death, sin, and hell and you did it for me. I believe it. I accept it. I trust in you and what you've done with my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.